Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, we're glad you're here this morning to figure out what happy couples know. Um, and today it's all about a choice. It's all about a choice. Happy couples know it's all about a choice. We'll get there in a minute. Um, I want to. We're going to start in the scriptures. The Apostle Paul, a long time ago in first in, in first century world, um, was dealing with a lot of. There, there were just a lot of crazy things happening in the world at that time. Um, you guys, you'll remember in school learning about Greek mythology and, and all the different gods. And, and um, there's a church that gets started in the city of Corinth, which is a city in Greece. And um, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. We have two letters, actually, First and Second Corinthians. There's letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to teach and instruct them. And he gets to a pretty famous, um, there's a pretty famous passage that we have today, 1 Corinthians 13. It's called the love chapter. Many of you that are married probably had a portion of this read at your wedding. Because um, he, he just talks about what love is. And you have to understand, in first century life, these, these gods that exist, I mean, it, it, it shaped the whole culture and how, and how people lived their lives. The, the, the gods, the Greek gods, there were many of them. They interacted with humans in strange ways. Sometimes they, they, these gods were petulant and um, angered easily. And if you didn't appease them in just the right way, they would cause famine or war or bad things to happen in your families. These gods would, it was said that they, they would have relationships with humans, sexual relationships with humans. Um, it was just, there was a lot of strange things happening in first century life. And this church gets started in Corinth and... Uh, Paul writes this letter to kind of clear some things up. What is love? And so let, let's just read it together. He, he, he writes this uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 1. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, you know, you can speak with fancy languages. You can even speak different languages. Somehow, if you've managed to tap into the language of the angels... But you have not love, you're just making a bunch of noise. You're a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if you, can, if you can tell the future, if you have that gift, and you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, a, you might say a perfect faith, whatever that is, a faith so strong that it, you, you can literally move a mountain, but you have not love, you are nothing. If you give all you possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he goes into this rapid fire list of what he thinks love is. And this is the part that gets read at, at you know, many, many people's weddings. That he just, he goes, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So you get this just rapid-fire list, but it's a, it's a short list, but it's an important list of what Paul says love really is in comparison and contrast to the Greek gods that, and the, the way this culture that we live in is crazy. So here's what love actually is. Now, I don't know who to give this credit to. I've heard this a couple different times over the years. 
somebody smart somewhere said, hey, you can take the word love out and insert your first name into, the, into verse 4 onto verse 7 and just kind of see how you're doing with this verse. So you, if, for instance, you could say, uh, Ryan is patient, Ryan is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud, he is not rude, Ryan is not self-seeking. And you can go on down this list and, and take the word love out and insert your name just as a way to self-evaluate. Now, every Tuesday morning we do staff meeting here at Cross Lane and one of the staff members will give a, a Devo or some kind of a leadership nugget that day. And a couple weeks ago, Kyle, it was Kyle's turn and he took a different passage of scripture and he, he, he had, had the verse written out and just off to the side, he, he just wrote, how you doing with that? We could do that with this verse here. Love is patient. How you doing with that? Are you, it, it, are you exhibiting patience in your relationships? Love is kind. How you doing with that? Are you being kind in your marriage relationship? Or, or are harsh words you know, ever said? God, how you doing with that? So you can, and I would challenge you guys and encourage you to do this. If you've never done that, just take the word love out, insert your name, and do a little self-evaluation. Read through it. And ask yourself, how am I doing with that? How am I doing with that? And if you're struggling in an area, what a great, you know, what a great little exercise for you to be able to, uh, to kind of clean that up a little bit. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I, I don't say it to brag. I just want to, and you, so you just, I would just ask for a little bit of grace in this. Uh, there's a point to it, so if you would just bear with me. Um, I've been married for 20, 21 years now, and my wife was here first service, so I had to check with her just to make sure that was correct. 21 years, right, honey? Yes. Okay, 21 years, um, which in some way, you know, though for those of you that, and you guys that have been married, like, the people longer than 21 years, you're like, Ryan, you're such a puppy. Yes. But 21 years in some ways seems like a long time, an eternity maybe even. And in, in a lot of ways, it just seems like, wow, we just got married just yesterday, it feels like. So, 21 years of marriage. Back in 2005, I started as a youth pastor here, and very early on in that, I just decided I wanted every year, I'm going to teach a, a, relation, a dating relationship series to the teenagers. And if you, I don't know how long it's been since you've been in a middle school hallway and heard the silly stuff that middle schoolers say and do, but dating relationships are very... Um, important to middle schoolers that everyone seems to be dating you know that that those guys all my friends are dating so I need to be dating too and you get you, they, they, they start learning crazy stuff at a young age and so I just decided you know what I want to I want to we're going to teach a, a dating relationship series that's going to it's going to be good it's going to be healthy for these students to hear what a biblical relationship should look like and so since 2005 every year after the holidays after Christmas and New Year's get done in the middle of January I'll start a, a, a dating series and we talk about all everything because it's all talked about in scripture right so but we, we, we deal with it it might be two weeks one year and six weeks the next but we we always talk about it we want to give these kids a, a great framework I want to echo some of hopefully some of the truths that you're teaching as parents at home to your children and so we, we talk about it. Now, the kids will say, oh, we hate when Ryan teaches on dating and relationships. But what they really mean is we're so excited that Ryan's teaching about this because they show up. That's the highest attended few weeks in, in my calendar year of anything that I'll teach on. I get more students showing up for that. Um, so we talk about it. 
um, as uh, I'm an ordained pastor now, and I've had, a, had the privilege to officiate a few weddings, and one of the things that we get to do at officiating weddings is premarital counseling stuff, not so that we can just talk, you know, blab and, you know, tell them how, how great our, our marriages are, but we, we think, okay, here's this young couple, they're going to get married, um, we just think there's some really important stuff that we want to pass on to you, biblical stuff and just pra good practical relationship stuff that we, we want to try to help set your marriage up on, on this great foundation as you begin your life together. And so for, for if you were to ask uh, me, I think we're, we're all pretty similar. It depends on the, you know, who you ask to marry you here. But like I'll do three sessions, an hour and a half to two hours each session. And again, it just we just think it's really, really helpful for the couple to start out that way. Um, you'd, you would be surprised at how much relationship counseling stuff happens around here in a given week. Brett does a lot of marriage counseling which you might expect the, the pastor to do. Maybe what you would be surprised at is how much relationship counseling I do as a youth pastor. Kids, kids, you know, that kids want to date. They want to have these relationships. They're, they're young. They're inexperienced. Problems come up. And as they have, you know, trust me or, or maybe even some of our youth sponsors, our trusted mentors that we, that work with the kiddos, they will come at some point and say, Ryan, I, you know, I've messed something up with my girlfriend. Here's what happened. Can you help me navigate through it? And we're happy to, to do that. Now, I'm no Dr. Phil. I, I just give you all of that just to say I, we talk about this stuff and deal with this relationship stuff a lot. We've got some, got some experience at it. And so we, I'm in the middle of our dating relationship series over here with the kids. And last Sunday, actually Super Bowl Sunday, um, my friend Matt Sullivan we were watching the Super Bowl. We have a big party every year for the kids, and there's about 50 kids here, and we're having a good time. But he looks over, and he says, hey, you, um, have you, you, sh you and Lori should get up and like teach something together about since you're in the middle of this relationship stuff. And I'm like, I'm game with that. Honey, would you be up for that? And she said, yeah. So I thought about it for a day, and I told Lori, I said, here's what I want to do with that. I, let's, let's do this. Let's come up with what we think are the five keys to a successful marriage. You do your five, and I'll do my five. We'll do... We'll come up with our list separate from one another, and, and then at some point later in the week, we'll kind of compare notes, and then on Sunday, we'll share the stage together and just kind of do this back and forth, and then at the end, we'll do a Q&A where the kids can ask, ask us some questions. We were supposed to do that last Sunday, and then the ice thing happened. Our parking lot was just a sheet of ice, and so we ended up canceling church, and so we actually plan to do that then next Sunday. We'll, we'll, we'll st we're still going to do it, um, but... What I want to do today is we're talking about, well, what, what do happy couples know? If you were to ask me, I would say, I've got a great marriage relationship. I think, you know, as Laura and I have talked about it, she would agree. Thank God. Um, she would agree. So I'm going to just share with you our list of five things that we think are keys to a, a great marriage. Now, it's not an exhaustive list. There are other things we could add in here. But you'll, maybe you'll be surprised at how similar the, the list is as we just... You know, she came up with her list separate from me, and then we compared them at the end. And we kind of ranked them in order of, we think this is most important down to the, to the fifth thing. Um, and again, it's not right or wrong, it's just the list that Lori and I came up with. So for what it's worth, here we go. Uh, so Lori says, her number one thing was a, a, a Christ-centered marriage, and I put a shared faith. And so what Lori means by Christ-centered is, as Christians... 
that we want to make Jesus Christ the center of our relationship, right? We, we just think it's very important um, that he is the center. So uh, you, no matter what direction we, we go in life, Christ is the center of it all. He's our anchor, okay? That's what she means by that. Share, here's what I mean by shared faith. A shared faith, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about don't, don't be unequally yoked, and I'm, that I'm just, I'm just going to mention that this morning. We're not going to dive into what that that means but i what i think it means is if you're a christian don't date or marry someone who's not a christian that's what i'm going to teach the kids over here if you're a christian you should date and eventually marry someone who is also a christian don't date someone who's not a christian thinking oh i can i can save them i can lead them to jesus it, it, you're just setting yourself up for some pain as christians everything like if, the, if this if i can make my bible some glasses like everything in my world as a christian is viewed through the filter of scripture right or at least it should be and if i'm a christian and i'm dating this person over here that's not you're coming at life from two different perspectives you've already you're already dealing with you know how you were raised by your family and she was raised her family they're just different you're, you're dealing with that whole thing but then you throw in the, the, the religion aspect of it, it's, I, I just, kiddos, it's really, really important that you are a Christian and they are too. Because you get into, you get into stuff like uh, how do you spend your money and what do you spend your money on? A Christian might say one thing and a non-Christian is going to say something different. How, do you, how, do you, how are you going to raise and discipline your kids? There's very specific instructions in here about how to do that that they don't have access to or not going to apply to their life. So we just think it's important that um, you have a shared faith. Um, the second thing we both said was communication. Any good counselor worth their salt will tell you a, a key to a, a successful relationship, any relationship. It doesn't, this doesn't have to just be marriage, but th this can be your coworkers, your kid, you and your kids, whoever. But especially in marriage, communication is the key to a great marriage. If you're not communicating well or at all, it, you're setting yourself up for some problems. So communicate, 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 and when you're done communicating, communicate some more. Okay? The third thing Lori said was divorce was never an option, and then I put trust. So just early on in our marriage, I, we, we talked about this as we were engaged. You know what? what? Whatever we go through, whatever hard things come our way, we are never going to say divorce is an option ever it, it we just took it off the table at the beginning of our relationship w you know what whatever money problems we have whatever relationship issues w whatever it is we just decided we are going to try to work it out and i we i just very distinctly remember having those conversations with lori we just so we just it's not even an option and that might i know that sounds idealistic and pie you know pie in the sky but for us that's what we just decided that's what we're going to do. We're never going to talk. It's never going to be an option for us. And then I put trust. That, that seems maybe like a no-brainer, but trust is key to a, any good relationship. I trust Lori implicitly. I hope she would say the same thing about me. You can ask her. Oh, by the way, who, who would know? I can tell you all kinds of stuff about how great my marriage is. Who, if you really want to know the truth, who would you go ask? My spouse. My kids. Maybe my coworkers who I spend seven, eight hours a day with. But definitely you would go and ask my spouse, right? So um, I think trust is key to a good 
any good relationship. Lori put then for number four, love and respect. And I think she does a great job at this. And I think what she means by that is um, <clears throat> men want to be respected, especially by their, by their women. We don't, you know, you get in an argument at home and then, and then the, she's going and telling her girlfriends about how crappy of a husband I am and this argument that we got in and can you believe all that? No, she, she respects me enough that we have this conversation that some things just stay, they're private, you know, and so in that way she respects me. That's just an example, I think, of what she means by that, or at least what I, what I love about how Lori is in our relationship, that she loves and respects me in that way. Um, guys, we're, we're, we're big on that. And then I put for number four, grace slash fight fair. It's really, really important, and we'll talk about this a lot in premarital counseling. It's important that you have a lot of grace in your relationship because guess what? Your spouse isn't perfect. Those of you that are just dating and infatuated, I mean in love, you will find out that the person you marry is not perfect. You might think they are the first year, but then after the honeymoon's over, you will realize, oh, their poop does stink. <laughs> That may be number, reason number two why I'm fired tomorrow. <laughs> they, you just have to have a lot of grace because the person that you're marrying is, you know, they are not perfect. They are going to make mistakes. You are going to have arguments. You are going to disagree. And it's very important that you, that you extend a lot of grace to the other person and that you fight fair. And what I mean by fight fair is if you, whatever issue you have right now, that's the issue that you're dealing with. You're not bringing up something that you fought about last week or last month or 10 years ago because that was then. You should have dealt with that then. What you're dealing with right now is this issue that you're dealing with right now. So fight fair. And then I think Lori does a great job at, at that. We, we, you know, we don't argue a lot. It seems like what we argue over like stupid stuff like, like the coffee pot, which we've had great arguments about the coffee pot. Most people like are, have real fights about money and kids and stuff. We fight about silly stuff, which maybe is a blessing. I don't know. But we, I would say we don't, argue, we don't have a lot of fights or a lot of arguments. But when we do, we, Lori's really good at that. And so just, and I want to be, be a man who extends a lot of grace because I need a lot of grace in my life, right? So, so grace, fight, fair. The fifth thing that Lori put was do nice things. And she'll talk about this with the kids. Like, um, guys, we, guys, we screw this up quite a bit. It seems like guys are really good at when we're wooing the girl, we, we're, like we're really, really good at this. Like we'll buy flowers, we'll, we'll do romantic stuff on dates, we get creative in how we plan all that stuff out, and then we get married and we just think, well, we, gotta, we don't have to do that anymore, you, we, we're married. And the girls are like, no, you need to keep, like, keep dating your wife. And so... Lori has what she'll do when we teach this to the kids. Is she'll, she'll just share a couple of stories of some things that I've done like that for her. And she's done that kind of stuff for me. So, but we just think, she thinks this is a key to a successful marriage. Continue to date your spouse. Do nice things. Even though you don't have to. You're married. They're not going anywhere. Do nice things. And then mine is kind of similar. I, I put out surf her. I'll never forget um, hearing Ron Redinger is one of our elders here at, at Cross Lane say one time, and I, I called him a genius in the first service. Either he's a genius because he stole it from someone smarter than him, or he's really smart and he came up with it on his own. Either way, he's a genius. He, he said this, my job is to wake up every day 
and to try to outserve my wife. My job every day is to try to wake up and outserve my wife. Now that's really hard to do because we're we're just at, at our core, we're selfish. We just are. But imagine that relationship. If you wake up half the time and try to outserve your spouse, it, it what it does is it create like when someone does something nice for you, what do you want to do? You want to reciprocate. Oh, I can't believe you bought my lunch. I'm buying your lunch next time. You just, you automatically, someone does something nice for you. You want to, in kind, do something nice for them. Now, imagine being married to that person and this beautiful symbiotic deal that happens when you're waking up every day trying to outserve your spouse. They're going to want to wake up every day and try to outserve you. Why would you not want to do that? That's what we think are five keys to a successful marriage. Again, it's not an exhaustive list, but those are pretty high on Lori and I's list, and we're, we're a happy couple. Now, I want to give you, I want to talk about this choice that we all have. We wake up each and every day with a choice. Each and every day in our relationships, we, we come to our relationships with some kind of an expectation. We all do it. You think X, Y, and Z is going to happen, either just because you're, you're just assuming it's going to happen, that they have some kind of history of of that happening they told you it was going to happen but you have some kind of an expectation of what's going to happen so if you think about in your marriage relationships for those of us that are married uh, then you expect certain things are going to happen then you actually experience it's what actually happens you think x y and z was going to happen but this actually happened and then there's this gap in between what you think is going to happen and what actually happens now sometimes these are the things these are the same thing. What you thought was going to happen actually happened. But we all know that, you know, life happens. No one's perfect. So what they said was going to happen, sometimes it doesn't line up with reality, right? And this gap that's in the middle, there, there was a study done back around 2005 that, that kind of zeroed in on this. They took a bunch of couples that had been married for a long time and they, they that identified as happy couples, and they wanted to figure out, well, what makes you a happy couple? What, what's the secret sauce to a great relationship? And one of the keys to this studies was happy couples do this. They wake up every day, and it's a choice to do it. Whatever they expect is going to happen and versus whatever actually happens, the happy couples know that they, they always believe the best about their spouse, about the person that they're in relationship with. Happy couples have figured out they get to make a choice to believe the best about, about their spouse. So here's what it looks like. Um, he said he was going to be home at 5.30. He, got, uh, he didn't get home until 6 o'clock. I'm going to choose to believe the best. I live in Terre Haute. He probably got railroaded three times on the way home. It was, I mean, it's, you can't do anything about it. It's not your fault. The opposite is, what the, what, and what gets couples in trouble is, instead of believing the best about your your spouse, you, you, you can assume the worst. And so he said he was going to be home at 5.30. He didn't get home until 6 o'clock. He, he's probably out at the bars boozing it up. He's probably having an affair with some woman. He, he, he's, he's probably out gambling our money away. Who knows where he's at? But we, we automatically, if our default is to assume the worst, man, you're, you're setting yourself up for a hard, bad relationship, right? So happy couples have figured out that you, you're going to believe the best. Not because this person is perfect, because they're not. Sometimes what they expect doesn't actually happen. 
Laundry doesn't get done. Uh, dinner wasn't cooked when it was supposed to be ready. The kids didn't get taken to practice or picked up on time. I mean, whatever it is, but happy couples just know things happen. You do live in Darrow. You will get railroaded three times on the way to work. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to believe the best. You, I, you can see the difference in that choice, right? What that choice will do to, to your relationship. Because here's, here's, let me show you option B. Ross will put this up on the screen for you. Option B is that you delight in uncovering mistakes, thrive on speculation, assume the worst about your, your spouse, and, and embrace doubt. That's the option. You, you, can, you can choose to believe the best, or you can do option B. Now, here's what I know. No, nobody in here, like if your oldest child is like on the, it's their wedding night, and you're going to give them the wedding advice that, you know, you're going to impart your wisdom on the last night before they're single, the last night of their singlehood. You would not say, honey, I want you, here's, I've been married a long time, and here's what I know to be true. You need to delight in uncovering the mistakes of your spouse. Just, I mean, every, just have joy in that. Every time they screw something up, take, take joy in that. I want you to thrive on speculation because they're going to do things that are going to make you mad and they deserve for you to, 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 to have some speculation about what's going on. Always assume the worst and just embrace doubt. Never, never believe what they say. Just always doubt that, that, that they've got bad motives. No, like nobody in here would give that advice to their child on their wedding day, right? And yet, some, some of us live our lives. We live this out in our lives. Because not everybody in here would say, yeah, I'm a happy couple right now. We, we, we're going through some hard times in our relationships. I, I have a feeling that it might be because you're, we're, we don't wake up every day making the choice to believe the best. We get caught up. Things happen. They aren't perfect. They screw up a lot. It's hard to believe the best, so our default is, has become assume the worst. And because of what our experience is. Guys, I'm just here to tell you, you, and I know, I know, I'm not naive enough to know that there's not all different kinds of people from all different kinds of walks of life in here, all different kinds of relationships, experience. And you could say, Ryan, you just don't know how they talk to me at home. You don't know the things that they've done. And you're right, I don't know. I don't know. But there's a way out of that. There is. Somebody has to go first. If you would say, I'm not in a happy relationship right now. Somebody has to go first. Somebody has to exhibit the love that Paul calls us to as, as Christians, as people, to be patient and to be kind and to not envy and to not boast. You have to wake up every day and get to a place where you can choose to believe the best, knowing they are not always going to live up to the expectations that you have. For them, they, you're, what you actually experience, they let you down. They failed you. But you know what? I'm going to choose to believe. No, no matter what, I'm going to fill in my gap with believe the best. And you'll get let down sometimes. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Here's what I know. Nobody in here that would identify as a happy couple, you just wouldn't wake up one day and be like, oh, yeah, I've got a great marriage. Not sure how it happened but I've got a great marriage. Thank you, God. Like, nobody would say that because the happy couples in the room, they wake up every day and they work and they work 
and they pour into their spouse, and they love like Paul calls us to love. And they're not perfect, but they, they work at it. They wake up every day and they try to outserve their wife. They wake up every day and try to make a choice to believe the best about their spouse. Because nobody wants to live in option B. Guys, it, it's, it's a choice. It really is a choice. Someone's got to go first. I pray that you would have a great marriage. And I want to challenge you to do this, even for just a week. If you, if you, if you're, if you find that your default is assume the worst, I want to challenge you just to try this for a week. Wake up, and for the next seven days, just try to believe the best about your spouse. No matter if they fail you, no matter what they said they were going to do and what they actually did are two different things. You wake up every day and try to believe the best and see, see how that will change your, your marriage. Just see. Just give it a try. Wake up every day and try to outserve your spouse. See what that will do for your marriage. I dare you. Okay, I'm done. Uh, I do, I want to pray. Uh, one of our elders had asked that we would um, mention the horrible shooting down in Florida and pray for the people that were affected. So we're, I'm going to do that as part of my closing prayer. When I'm done praying, you guys are free to go and um, uh, just have a great week. So if you would pray with me. Father God, I'm thankful for the scriptures, for these words that Paul um, have that I believe are from you. They were modeled in the life of Jesus. They were modeled in the life of the apostles of what love is. Um, God, our culture is, is crazy. If we look around at, at the world around us, there are some messed up pictures of what love is. I pray that um, we can just be models and examples of this. Our kids are paying attention. Our grandkids are paying attention. The world around us is looking at us, is paying attention. So God, may we love well. May we be patient and kind. Kyle talked about a couple weeks ago, submitting, mutual submission. May we, may we be people who model that in our relationships. Help us to do that, God. For the people in the room that might say, I'm not in a great place relationally right now with my spouse, may you heal that marriage, God. Would you help, would you help the couple to wake up every day and try to apply some of this stuff? In their, in their relationship. And may they see fruit of it getting better. God. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the, for the good marriages that are, that are represented in the room today. The, the, the couples that, that have lived a long time together and are happy. And we can look to them for encouragement and advice. We just say thank you for that. What a blessing that is. And now God for the... I just would, I want to pray for the, the, the people down in Florida that have been affected by another shooting. It's crazy. It's evil in the world, and it's heartbreaking to see. And we, we just, we feel helpless if we're honest about it, God. And so we lift up our prayers for the people to find healing quickly. God, we, we lift up prayers for our, uh, our, our politicians to find an answer to this. God, just be in it. Help us to live like you're calling us to live in all phases of our life. God, we love you so much and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.